0: Hey, hello, and welcome back to Curiously Polar, the podcast about all things very north and very south. Uh, my name is Chris Marquardt and with me, as usual, is Henry Paul. Hi, Henry. Hi. How are you doing? I'm uh, doing good. We continue the little series that you brought us from the Arctic Circle Assembly, where you ta- if, if 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 you didn't listen to last episode, episode seventy two, we kicked that off with a wonderful talk with Peter Wadhams about Arctic Sea ice and now we will hear uh, something about the Mosaic expedition. Um, Who did you talk to? I talked to
1: uh, Anja Sommerfeld and Dr. Anja Sommerfeld is um, the project coordinator. So she's the one in charge of coordinating all things relating to that project. So she's like the, the overhead project manager um, coordinating everything together with the expedition leader and that's a pretty amazing position so she has prepared that project for over three years and um, when you when you research a little bit and you dig a little bit into that re- uh, that project then you figure what that actually means what kind of volume that has what kind of Scale our expedition has
0: it it, it, soo- it sounds initially it sounds like ah sure, but then after after listening to some of these things and and it's been on the media here too, so um there was quite a bit exposure uh that that I had and uh it is a massive undertaking it is big it's
1: it's it's really amazing, so what they are basically doing they're following the footsteps of uh, Friedhof Nansen, who has done the um transpolar drift so he has just set his ship from into the ice and just drifted with the sea ice in the attempt to reach the north pole which he didn't but he used the time and um executed a lot of research projects and the alfred wegener institute which is like the leading um polar research institute in that research has just um come up with the idea of doing exactly the same, because what what we're actually lacking right now, especially in the climate change debate, is a, a thoroughly understanding of the processes in the Arctic Ocean. So we have a lot of understanding of all the world's oceans except for the Arctic Ocean. Why is that? Because m- the majority of the ocean is most of the year covered by a thick layer of sea ice. So it's very difficult to research the ocean itself. So they came up with the idea, following the idea of Nansen, put the research icebreaker Polarstern into the ice, drifting with the transpolar drift, which is one of the two major ocean currents in the Arctic, and just execute research from that base. And that's a terrific project. They have over 600 researchers um, based on that ship um, going to the ice, going under the ice, going into the air. Nineteen nations are... Um, participating in that they have three more icebreakers delivering supply delivering people they are building a runway on the sea ice for um, the the exchange of researchers it is really amazing they plan to stay in the ice for 390 days that's over (laughs) a year it's insane the whole scale on that project is just it, it creates goosebumps every time i think about that it's really an amazing project
0: And the uh, result will be much better understanding of what's going on in the Arctic. So, uh, yeah, let's listen in. Uh, Just a little warning, uh, as we said last week, uh, the recording uh, conditions were quite challenging. It was inside the Harpa, which is a big, very reflective glass and concrete building. So, um, yeah, we'll do our best to make it sound as good as we can. So let's dive right in.
2: My name is Anja Sommerfeld, and I'm the project manager of the Mosaic Project.
0: Okay. Nice to have you. Um,
1: <laughs> could you describe the the purpose and the the overall goal of the Mosaic um, Expedition?
2: Yes. So uh, everybody noticed and recognized that the Arctic is warming twice as fast as the rest of the globe, and but it, that is not very well represented in the climate models and the weather forecast models. So our uh, overarching goal is to um, yeah, understand the processes in the Arctic and um, to bring those processes into the knowledge into the climate models and the weather forecast models. And therefore we study the coupled Arctic climate system for one year. And coupled Arctic climate system means atmosphere, ocean, sea ice, biogeochemistry, and ecosystem.
1: So it's like a, a, a multidisciplinary Very multidisciplinary,
2: effort. very multidisciplinary.
1: Why is that so important? Why is the, the understanding the Arctic so important for climate models?
2: Because uh, what in the Arctic happens, doesn't stays in the Arctic. So the changes in the Arctic have an influence on the weather and climate in the middle latitudes. So we really want to know and need to know what happened in the Arctic, so that we can predict the, the climate change or the climate uh, in the middle latitudes better.
1: And if we um, just have an overall look on the oceans of the world, and um, the Arctic Ocean still is the, the least understood ocean we have, or the least scientific. Um, research effort yes. not even the effort but the outcome of the understanding of the ocean
2: yes and i mean that is because nobody can go there in winter so and therefore we use the approach of future of and just freezing the vessel into the ice and then uh, during the year with a natural sea ice drift we can um, enter the real central arctic in winter and can perform measurements and that was never done before so that's very important <laughs>
1: how many people are involved in that project
2: in the whole project there are six hundred people involved and three hundred scientists will be on board during the whole year and yeah, and the other three hundred are on land and doing modeling work or work with satellite data and support the expedition.
1: But those scientists are changing are just are wise on board and then yes.
2: just Yes, we have uh, one year of expedition, but we split it into six legs, so every leg is approximately two months long, and every two months, so we change personnel. That means crew and scientists, and therefore we involve other icebreakers from partner institutes and partner countries.
1: How many countries are involved?
2: Uh, Yeah, 19, but I think in a couple of days 20, (laughs) but uh, 17 are on board. 17 17 nations but,
1: yeah almost 20 involved in the entire yes. project. Yes it's impressive. Um, Friedrich Nansen has uh, chosen the new Siberian islands to um, lock the Fram into the ice. Uh, where's Poland staying right now?
2: It's at uh, oh, 58 85 degrees north and uh, 137 east.
1: And they already they, they left Tromshire on the 22nd of September.
2: 20s, on the 20s. 20th of September. Yes, 20s on September. And
1: they already found an uh, appropriate ice flow to, yes. to moor the vessel to. Yes, they found what?
2: it, and that is within the time that we uh, yeah, were expecting. So we planned, we had a schedule, and uh, it was a couple of to- a couple of days before the schedule, so that was
1: nice. So how did that work? Was there a partnership or others involved in, in looking out for that flow? Or?
2: Yes, so we were joined by Russian icebreaker, Akademik Fedorov, and they wrestle start uh, 12 hours later in Tromsø and joined us and helped us with finding a suitable ice flow. In addition, we used the helicopter, yes. so the academic Federal of Polarstern has helicopters on board. Um, uh, we investigated several um, flows, so just land there or dock there with the ship and uh, yeah, perform ice thickness measurements and that we have a, yeah, a possibility to decide which one is a perfect flow for us.
1: Just for the understanding, when we talk about ice flow, it's not like the small pieces of ice we see well, when we go there with expedition cruise ships. It's about three times five kilometers in size. It's yes. a huge it's area. A huge, fly,
2: a huge ice flow, yes. And it needs to be thick enough and it has needs to have a ridge, for example. So people are very interested in investigating ridges and uh, it should have the potential to, to, pr- to produce leads. So, because they are very important for the scientific work as well, and um, yeah, it needs to be on the right place, means latitude longitude, because we want uh, to end up in the in one year between Svalbard and Greenland, so in the uh, in the Atlantic sector of the Arctic, and not maybe in the beaufort Bay.
1: <laughs> Indeed, but it's also um, important that um, the thickness of the ice flow ha- has a certain stability or grants a stability, because the vessel itself just works as a hub, yes. So as a basis, and then yes. you're spreading out for scientific research onto the flow. Yes, we How many research stations are uh, planned to set up on the flow?
2: On the ice flow, a lot. I cannot count them. So we have a lot of instruments that need to go out there, and they are very heavy, heavy so the ice flow needs to be thick enough. In addition, we want to have a runway on the ice flow because uh, we have this aircraft campaign in spring and summer, and our plan is to have one aircraft landing Get refueled and then starting up and go even more north, farther, nor- farther north, farther north, uh, because that was never done before. Usually you start along your beam with your flight or in station noise and then you can just go to the pole and have to head back because of, you don't have enough fuel. But now we have like a fuel depot on in the Arctic. And in addition, in uh, spring 2020, the ice is very thick, so we cannot reach it with an icebreaker. So, a ton of aircraft from Russia has to. Have to land there and exchange scientists and crew members.
1: So an ice flow does not only have to be thick enough; it has to be large enough yes. because the pressure ridges would make it impossible to land yes. there. Yeah, so that's um, pretty amazing. Those pressure ridges and the size of the ice flow also makes it a perfect habitat for the affix predator up there, which is a polar bear. Mm-hmm. And as far as I understood, they needed to evacuate the flow while setting up the whole system because of a polar bear approach. Yes. How is that polar bear safety management, how does that look like? Is there um, a certain amount of crews just on the guard or are there uh, trip wires, or how's the, the whole polar bear safety management um, yeah, enabled yeah. in that?
2: So uh, first I have to say that polar safety, polar bear safety is not only that people are safe from polar bears, but we want to have the polar bears being safe as well. So um, therefore we will, um, we have established a yeah, a team of people that are eight people at the moment that are just there for polar bear protection. So they are on the bridge, for example, looking with infrared cameras and scan the whole horizon uh, to really um, in the beginning see a polar bear and then announce it and so that people can get evacuated from the ice flow without uh, yeah, any, any problems or accidents. And in addition, we have, um, have always a team on, on the ice flow. That are the polar bear guards. They have weapons and they have. Uh, they can, uh, yeah, protect the scientists for the polar bears as well.
1: Are there some some additional systems like, uh, let's say, an audio uh, audio system because their hearing is quite sensitive or um, a smell. Uh, based system to to avoid the use of rifles. I, I mean, for us as, yeah, as guides, it's always the the, the least resort to, yes. to to use a rifle. We always yeah. try to avoid that.
2: Yeah, we we we, are, we too. So we will not uh, like. We don't like to use a rifle, and we have su- such a I don't know what the name is, but it uh, a, pistol, a rifle the that flare gun. flag and yeah. flag with sound and um, and the also It's a big smoke, smoke yeah, yeah, and, and,
1: yeah, the, the flashlight.
2: And, and we try to establish a tripwire. I don't know if this works out or not. So it's the first time that we have established this and we will see how this works or if it, more, it makes more, things more complicated. So, but there are our plans, yes.
1: That sounds good. There was another um, in, in, interesting question in the, in, in the audience about the fuel and the, the type of fuel used, how green the whole expedition is set up um, from a consumption perspective. Mm-hmm. I'm more interested in the power supply. Um, So the expedition leader uh, said something on the phone that um, they are setting up the the whole power supply, the power management system. How does it look like? How is power generated up there?
2: So the power is generated on the ship, of course, and then we have a huge power line that is going out of the ship to the ice floe, and then it has some, uh, it can, is divided into different uh, locations to the, to the stations on the ice floe.
1: Okay. And how is that um generated on the ship? Is it like with a diesel generator which just like the, the regular? No?
2: Oh, I really don't know. Right. <laughs> yeah sorry. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean yeah I cannot say this no I don't know. <laughs> okay
1: um the recent crew is like setting everything up how long does the setup take?
2: Yeah, two weeks maybe. Two more weeks? Yeah.
1: And then the research starts, basically. Yes, yes. Are the first scientists on board already? Or are they just coming in as soon as everything is set up?
2: No, the scientists are on board already and they set up the ice flow and the instruments because we don't have so much technicians. So the scientists have to do it on their own and they help each other. So nobody is starting their work uh, before. so So when one instrument is settled, then they do not start measuring. They uh, help other people getting out their instruments because some instruments are so heavy, and you need a lot of people to just set it up. Yeah. So and then there will be yeah the bang, and then the the year-round observation starts. <laughs> Our
1: most important question um, on a expedition of that scale, the most important infrastructure setup is the food. No food, no mood. Yes, we say true. in expeditions. <laughs> um, how is that supplied? How does it look like? How, how big is the crew in the galley and um, how many dishes are prepared? Do you have any numbers there?
2: Yeah, so uh, the food is always good and very heavy. So, but it tastes delicious. And uh, the crew is doing their best to really um, get us feed it. <laughs> yeah and we have uh, three to four meals a day so you have general breakfast then you have lunch that is uh, like German always have lunch as a main meal and then we have a coffee break but most of the people cannot attend because they are on the ice floor and then in the evening you have uh, normal, normal food as well and uh, you can always go to the fridge and make a bread and with cheese or sausage. so you don't
1: necessarily have to stick to the
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should stick to the to the schedule. The crew likes it because um, they prepare the food and they don't want to have too much leftovers, of course, because oh, it's a ship ship and they're less or not that usual resources. And yeah, so.
1: And is that, is there some influence of um, of indigenous people in the um, in the way of um, providing food? Do, do you use some local sources like seals or no? You
2: know, no, no, We polish brought everything and uh that will be used and when the resupply vessels come they will bring new 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 food and uh yeah but we will not use seals or polar bears or (laughs) or maybe fish but uh i'm not even sure about this now
1: how's the 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 waste management um how does it look like is that you bring stuff up there and you just bring everything back or is that just uh, delivered to partnership and they just Yes,
2: out. so uh, what can we burn will be burned, uh, but uh, we will not leave anything there, uh, water will be recycled and what we cannot burn that will be brought back with a resupply icebreaker. Yes.
1: When can we um, assume the first results of that expedition?
2: Ooh, we hope that people that finish leg one can already start on their uh, scientific work so analyzing the data so on the ship you just collect data you are not really able to analyze them but uh, then I think when in beginning of next year we can start with the analysis and then I hope that before the expedition ends we will have the first publications.
1: Will there be kind of a, a publication series of um, under the umbrella of Mosaic or not? will it be just regular um, <laughs> scientific
2: uh, most of it will be regular scientific publications but we try to organize a special issue for example and we are in contact with uh with journals
1: okay i
0: think i covered all of my questions thank lot. yeah thank you <laughs> omg what a big project this is yeah this is wild this is Why truly not? wild What's what's really
1: interesting and amazing is when when you talk to the people involved in that project, you still see the the human scale in there. So you you, you have this overall project which is simply mind blowing, but and you just go into the research um, departments, into um, you talk to the researchers, and you just see they have those tiny projects which are not tiny itself, but compared to the entire expedition, it's 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 small and. They are just focusing on their specific um, project. And they're doing that, but being part of this huge scale of this huge umbrella. And that's basically what it is. The whole expedition is an umbrella for hundreds of research projects. And that's just really terrific.
0: So um, just recently, I listened to a German podcast that uh, where um, Holger Klein of the Resonator podcast talked to Markus Rex, the Uh, the head of the entire operation of the Mosaic Expedition. Um, So I want to link that in the show notes as well, because um, it's in German, but if you speak German or if you want to learn German, that might be a good thing to listen to, as well as uh, additional information here. So, yeah, Mosaic, something to follow, definitely. Um, uh, Other than that,
1: the Alfred Wegener Institute has um, a web app, where you can follow the current position of Polarstern, where you follow uh, can follow the, the, the current status of research. And I'm pretty sure they're also uh, putting up the first results of the research projects.
0: All right, so we'll link to that in the show notes as well. And if you want to get in contact with us, uh, you can do so on our website, curiouslypolar.com or on Twitter, where they're at, at the at the link. Um, Curiously Polar, <laughs> very, very straightforward. So you know how to find us. I'd love to hear from you with feedback or questions or other input. And uh, we'll be back in a week with a third installment of this little series, the Arctic Circle Assembly series, where we talk with Sarah Olswick about indigenous people in the Arctic. Until then, take care and bye-bye.